It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, March 1st. Coming up today. China's economy rebounds as the COVID zero era ends. The FBI director is the latest to say COVID likely came from a Chinese lab. Stocks begin a new trading month after suffering big losses in February. And Tesla holds its investor day. A passenger train crash in Greece has left dozens dead. Plus, embattled Congressman George Santos proposes a popular tax break on Long Island. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Nets lost to Red Hot Milwaukee. The Islanders lost in a shootout. The Rangers have acquired Patrick Kane from Chicago. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Stocks are getting a lift this morning thanks to data out of Asia. China's economy is showing signs of a stronger recovery than anticipated. Manufacturing in February posted its biggest improvement in more than a decade. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. The official PMI rose to 52.6 from 50.1 in January. The non-manufacturing gauge jumped to 56.3. Both beat estimates by a mile. The data offer the most complete picture yet for how the recovery is moving. Anecdotal evidence had already told part of this story. Road congestion increased, subway ridership returned to pre-pandemic levels, and restaurant spending rose. But this, this is more comprehensive data, and it adds to other signs of recovery, like housing. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thanks. Well, staying in China, President Xi Jinping is moving to consolidate the Communist Party's hold over the country. In a speech ahead of the National People's Congress, she touted plans for sweeping changes to China's bureaucracy. We get more from Bloomberg's Jill Desis in Hong Kong. A lot of what we've been hearing about what she may be preparing for going into the NPC is really not all that different from the strategy he's been building and consolidating for months, if not years now, right? I mean, we saw a preview of this last year um, in October at the Communist Party Congress. He installed a lot of, um, you know, his loyalists, people that have been really, really close to him over the years and really top level positions within the Communist Party. Um, You're probably just going to see a repeat of a lot of that. And Bloomberg News editor Jill Deesha says China's reforms will formally be announced on Sunday. Questions about the origins of COVID-19 are adding to tensions with the U.S., Karen. Now, FBI Director Christopher Wray says the virus most likely came from a lab incident in Wuhan. He made that assessment in an interview with Fox News. 
The FBI has folks, agents, professionals, analysts, virologists, microbiologists, etc., who focus specifically on the dangers of biological threats, which include things like novel viruses like COVID. FBI Director Chris Ray's comments come after the Energy Department determined a lab leak was also the most likely source of COVID. Well, turning to the markets now, Nathan, it's a new month and investors are looking to turn the page on a dismal February for stocks. And we get the details live with Bloomberg Steve Rappaport. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Spring can't come soon enough for investors following a rough month. The S&P 500 fell 2.6% in February. The Nasdaq also took a hit, dropping 1.1%. Investors faced a chilling realization that inflation isn't cooling to the level the Federal Reserve wants to see. The central bank last month raised its benchmark interest rate by a quarter point, the eighth consecutive increase in an effort to combat stubbornly high inflation. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Steve, thanks. Couple stocks are off to a rough march already. Shares of Novavax are down 24%. The drug maker says there is substantial doubt about its ability to stay in business through next year. And shares of Rivian are down 7.5%. The electric vehicle maker reported revenue and projections that missed estimates. Well, Nathan, another big EV maker is also in the spotlight this morning. Tesla hosts its annual Investor's Day event today. And Bloomberg's Tom Busby has a preview. Musk is promising, quote, a message of good hope and positivity for the future at today's event, which he calls his Master Plan 3 for a fully sustainable energy future for the planet. Now, among the items expected to be announced, Tesla's plans to build an auto assembly plant in Monterey, Mexico, its first facility south of the U.S. border, part of a plan to grow to an extreme size. There are whispers about Tesla's lowest price EV ever being announced, a $25,000 Model 2. Also, look for an update on the long-delayed Cybertruck, which is forecast to hit showrooms later this year. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Tom, thank you. And as we await word from Tesla, Goldman Sachs Investor Day is in the books, and it decidedly failed to impress Wall Street. Goldman's stock fell almost 4%. At the event, CEO David Solomon got visibly flustered as analysts pressed him on the future of Goldman's consumer banking division. I appreciate that everyone wants more answers on the consumer platforms and their trajectory going forward. We are focused on executing on what's in front of us, and we're looking at strategic, all strategic options available to us. And I, I, know, I know that you want you know, more clarity, but I would, I would ask you to appreciate that I'm just not in a position to say anything more than what we said. Well, after CEO David Solomon addressed investors, Bloomberg's Shanali Basak sat down with Goldman's chief operating officer, John Waldron. I would say it was an extremely productive and valuable meeting where people walked, our partners walked out of that meeting very optimistic about the future of the firm, very optimistic about the investments we're making in the forward of the opportunity of the firm. Goldman's John Waldron says the bank's partners are firmly behind the strategy. Stay tuned for more of that conversation coming up shortly on Bloomberg Daybreak. And on Capitol Hill this morning, Nathan, the House has passed a measure that would tank the Labor Department's new ESG retirement investing rule. It may lead President Biden to use his first veto. The GOP-led Congressional Review Act would block the department from enforcing the rule, which allows retirement plans to consider environmental, social, and corporate government's implications when selecting and monitoring investments. 
35 degrees in New York. Clear skies this morning. Chance for late day shower today. Otherwise, partly sunny with highs near 45 degrees. We'll get down to 40 this evening with temperatures slowly rising through the overnight hours. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael Barr. Good morning, Nathan. At least 32 people were killed in a train crash in northeast Greece and 85 more were injured. The crash took place in the Tempe Valley when a passenger train traveling from Athens collided with a cargo train igniting a fire. The passenger train carrying hundreds of people, including many university students, returning home from holiday. Chicago voters have denied Mayor Lori Lightfoot a second term. Lightfoot told her supporters that they fought the good fight. Now, as we all know in life, in the end, you don't always win every battle. But you never regret taking on the powerful and bringing in the light. Candidates Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson will meet in an April 4th runoff to succeed Lightfoot. Vallis received 34% of the vote, while Johnson got 20%. Lightfoot got 17%. Republican Representative George Santos may not be well-liked by his colleagues or constituents, but his bill in Congress deals with something his district on New York's Long Island wants, raising the cap on the state and local tax deduction. Santos, who lied about his resume, introduced legislation that would increase the deduction, known as SALT, to $50,000. The SALT write-off was capped at $10,000 in President Donald Trump's 2017 tax overhaul. Representative Nick LaLota, another Long Island Republican, says despite supporting increases to the cap, he will oppose the measure because Santos proposed it. The U.S. says it is watching what it calls Russian sanctions evasion in Central Asia. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Secretary of State Antony Blinken highlighting microchips taken from devices like refrigerators, even breast pumps, and shipped to Russia. He says it has a global message. Other countries will learn the wrong lesson, and would-be aggressors in every part of the world will say, well... If Russia can get away with this, then we can too. So a different tag. U.S. will provide an additional $25 million to help Central Asian states help diversify trade relationships and export routes, as well as trying to help businesses get out of previous relationships that could violate the sanctions. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. A ruptured water main in Hoboken that knocked out water pressure has been fully isolated the city says all public schools would be reopened today after being closed yesterday. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, Nathan. It was not a well-kept secret that the Rangers were talking to the Chicago Blackhawks about a trade to acquire Patrick Kane, 34-year-old, nine-time All-Star, one-time MVP. He'll be a free agent after the season. The deal finally struck ahead of Friday's trade deadline. Rangers dealt a couple of draft picks, and Kane might even play tonight when the Rangers visit Philadelphia. The Devils just ahead of the Rangers in the standings. They just got Timo Meyer from San Jose. Devils played tonight at Colorado. The Islanders lost 2-1 in a shootout at Minnesota. The fading fast Nets lost at Barclays to sizzling hot Milwaukee. 118-104. That's 15 wins in a row for the Bucks, who move ahead of the Celtics to top the NBA standings. The Nets 
play the Knicks tonight at the Garden. Knicks going for a seventh straight win. And also tonight, Phoenix at Charlotte. And Kevin Durant, back from his knee injuries, expected to make his son's debut. It's March of college basketball. Heating up Kansas, the defending champ, could win again. Ranked third, Jayhawks beat Texas Tech. Duke beat NC State. Duke is unranked with new coach John Shire, but they just went 16-0 at home. Seton Hall at home, lost to Villanova 76-72. At the top of the Giants' offseason list, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley both could potentially leave as free agents. Giants general manager is Joe Shane. Say cautiously optimistic. I mean, it's uh, again you have to go through you know hard times before you come out the other end, and better times with negotiations. So um, you know we're trying to work through it. Um, you know, obviously we'd like to have them both back. They they know how we feel about both of them, and um, you know again we're we're still working through it. Shane spoke at the scouting combine that's just starting. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Partners are firmly behind the strategy at Goldman Sachs. 
That's the message from Chief Operating Officer John Waldron on the heels of Goldman's second Investor Day. He is expressing confidence despite big losses in Goldman's consumer business. Waldron discussed Goldman's business strategy, the future of the firm, and the macro environment with Bloomberg's Shanali Basic. When you look at the strategy set forward by Goldman Sachs, help us understand Goldman Sachs has been lagging on a price-to-book basis from some of its rivals. What are investors not seeing? What is the math here on why Goldman may be worth more than the stock is currently showing? Well, first of all, it's great to have you in our building. Thanks for taking the time. Today was an important day for us. As you said, it was our second investor day in our 23 or so year history as a public company and our 154 year history as a firm. We've committed to talking to our investors on a more regular basis. And so we did our first investor day in January of 2020, right before the pandemic. And then we had three years of clearly very complicated, volatile markets. And so we're now updating our investors on what we've done over the past three years and spending a lot of time talking about our strategic realignment, which is an important evolution in our journey to further align our businesses to create more durable returns and long-term value over time. Is there a Goldman 2.0 here when you take a look at the strategy, or is this kind of uh, an incremental path to get to where you want to go? Well, I think if there's a 2.0, it's really talking about having two market-leading businesses, global banking and markets and asset and wealth management, which are businesses we've been in for a very long period of time, now run together in an integrated fashion, global banking and markets, a 30-plus billion dollar revenue business, generated 16.4% returns last year, definitively outperforming our competition. We've done a great job in those businesses. And now when you see them together, you see the power of those franchises and you see some of the diversity effects of those franchises where in some cases, market headwinds for certain of the franchises that are tailwinds for others and vice versa. And you can see those businesses really performing across cycles in a mid-teens returns kind of manner. When you think about asset and wealth, I'm really curious about how much you're willing to invest. Is this something you think you'd do a large transformative deal around in order to gain scale? Well, let's just talk about about the organic opportunity in asset and wealth management. And today, again, in global banking and markets, Dan Dees walked through the story. It's a very, very compelling story. In asset and wealth management, my partner, Mark Nachman, walked through that story. And to your question about a 2.0 version, we're now running asset and wealth management as an integrated platform where we have scale in active asset management. We're a top five player in active asset management, and we're a top five player in global alternatives. I'm not aware of another platform that has our kind of scale in both. That's pretty unique. And then we have a premier wealth management franchise with a trillion dollars of assets on that platform. We have to also talk about kind of this years-long journey in consumer as well. You've said you're considering strategic alternatives. How much detail can you give us around what those strategic alternatives are? Could it mean the sale of all or parts of the business? Well, before I address your consumer question, and I will address it, just in asset and wealth management, this is a very important, again, back to your 2.0 question, this is a very important growth opportunity for the firm. With the scale I talked about, we now have significant fundraising objectives in front of us. We have a significant management fee target in front of us. We now have $8.8 billion of management fees in that business against a $10 billion 2024 target. We're clearly well on our way to hitting that target, and that target is not the limit of our ambitions. $2 billion of that $10 billion target would be from alternatives. We're now at $1.8 billion on that $2 billion target. 
So in both cases, total and alternatives, we are well on our way to hitting and exceeding those targets, which will make the firm more durable, more resilient, and more valuable. And so that, that 2.0 version of asset and wealth management is going to be a significant growth vector for the firm going forward, where you have two market-leading businesses, both mid-teens returning businesses, both durable, both resilient through the cycle, both where we are market leaders, which really underpin the financial targets we put out today with our investors. So that's the future, but as you get there, there's still this idea that it'll take two years for the consumer business or the platform solutions business to break even. Do you think investors will be patient with you along that journey? Well, you asked about consumer. Okay, so we talked today to our investors very much about our path to profitability. We basically said we would do three things in the firm. One, we would grow wallet share and grow our financing businesses further than we already have grown them, and we've grown them considerably. Two, we will grow our management fees. And three, we will create profitability in, plat in platform solutions. We will deliver profitability in that segment. That segment has, has transaction banking, which is a profitable business, and it has consumer platforms, where obviously we have had losses. In those consumer platforms, we have a plan to drive to profitability. We told our investors today we would drive to profitability in 2025. We likewise said that we will look at and explore and are exploring strategic alternatives to make sure that we understand all opportunities in front of us to unlock value in platform solutions across those consumer, those consumer businesses. Another big thing that you said today is that you can cut another billion dollars in costs. Where do those costs come from and how much of those costs come from additional headcount reductions after already making 3,200? Just to be clear, we talked about a billion dollars of operating efficiencies. And then we talked about reinvesting some or all of those efficiencies back into the core franchises. That's an important differentiation. Okay, so we obviously did some work on our headcount coming into this year. Some of those benefits will, will flow through 2023. Some of those benefits will flow through 2024. We're working hard on some of our other uh, expense-based items, non-compensation items in particular, whether that relates to other marketing expenses or operational expenses in the firm that we can defer and be more judicious about. So we're looking across all of those items. That totals a billion dollars of efficiencies over time. But importantly, we will look to reinvest those efficiencies back into our core franchises, dependent upon the performance of the firm and upon the broader market environment. Now, I want to pivot a little bit here because I want to talk about the culture of the firm. You know, it's interesting for all of the talk of the turnover, you've given uh, an interesting statistic that turnover is at a five-year low. Uh, but at the same time, as UBS puts it among investors, that there's a concern about the loss of confidence among partners. What are you doing to bring partners back on your side? Well, we said earlier today to our investors that we, for the first time in four years, we're able to bring all of our partners together for an offsite. We had many versions of that during the pandemic, but we couldn't get everybody together given the obvious travel restrictions uh, during the pandemic. So for the first time a couple weeks ago, we were able to get everybody together. And I would say it was an extremely productive and valuable meeting where people walked, our partners walked out of that meeting very optimistic about the future of the firm, very optimistic about the investments we're making in the forward of the opportunity of the firm, particularly in those two market-leading businesses. And then, like many others, have questions about how long will it take to drive platform solutions to profitability. So certainly those questions come up. Some of those questions spill out into the press. But I think if you looked at our partnership and you walked around and interviewed our partners, they are firmly behind the strategy, firmly behind the opportunity, and very excited about what's in front of us at Goldman Sachs. I have to go back to a prior question because I feel like I still need an answer. Do you think that when it comes to the asset management business that you can do something transformative at this phase, especially given when you look around the markets that they've sold off so much? Well, if you looked our, look at our strategy and you listen to what we said 
today to our investors. We have plenty to do organically. We have significant opportunities in front of us to drive wallet share and grow financing in our banking and markets businesses. That's an organic strategy. In asset and wealth management, we have significant opportunities to drive management fees. We have significant opportunities to continue to invest in our platform operationally and to grow our wealth management business. All of those opportunities are organic. We can always look for inorganic opportunities. We have, as you know, we've made acquisitions. We bought a business last year in Europe called NNIP, which has added substantially to our European footprint in active asset management, has given us very interesting ESG capabilities across our asset management platform. There are always things we can look to do, but our appetite right now is most interestingly driven by the organic opportunity. John, I can't let you go without asking about the broader macro environment here. You know, just rate expectations have changed drastically in the last couple of weeks. How has it changed the calculus among your clients for risk appetite? How has it changed the calculus for you for risk appetite? Well, I would say if you think about what was going on at the end of last year, there were significant concerns in three primary areas. Areas. One was the European energy crisis. Two was China and zero COVID. And three was the performance of the U.S. consumer. In all three areas, things are broken to the high side. We didn't see the energy crisis that everybody predicted, maybe somewhat driven by warmer weather, but it didn't occur. And so the European situation improved. Nobody predicted that the zero COVID policy would pivot very quickly to opening up China largely completely. That has changed materially. That's a much more significant upside surprise. And the U.S. consumers outperformed. So to me, all three of those elements broke to the high side. What I think today everybody's wrestling with is how permanent and how secular a change is this inflationary environment going to be. Most of our clients are very concerned about the inflation, particularly corporate clients. They see it being more persistent in their businesses. The marketplace is a little bit more complacent, I would say, on inflation in terms of how the market trades inflation. That, to me, is a disconnect that has to get adjudicated over the course of the year, and we're obviously keeping a close eye on that. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? 
With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.